Yeah. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Teeing It Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor, as always, with my co-host, Vladdy. Uh, well into the thick of it. Um, September 25th, while we're recording. It feels like September has not even been a month. Maybe it's just like I've become so engrossed in football in my daily life and thinking about it that it just time flies by when you're having fun, I guess. But uh, um, I don't know if that's how you feel. How are you in general? I guess I should ask. That's what we normally do at the start of these. Um, I'm good. Uh, I, I turned my light on this week, so we're not, I'm not going to slowly fade into the darkness as uh, as kind of the sun goes down outside. But good. Had, had a good weekend. Got to golf a little bit. Probably played um, nine of my most complete holes of my life. And I was I was really happy with that. Other than that, um, to your point with the September being quick, I feel like it's I, I heard a saying, I forget, I don't know if it was a movie or some kind of comedic thing, but it was like, as you get older, the days get longer, but the years get shorter, if if that makes sense. And oh, I, yeah. I just kind of think that's like really, Definitely. really true. Cause like I I attest that here's my Go on. Sorry. Sorry, no, you froze on me for a second there. Oh. Um, what were you saying? I don't know, I was just no, you were going. Sorry, I mean, you you were you were gonna say you were gonna test it to something. Oh, oh yeah, I have like my own theory on why why I think this, and I think it's it like has something to do with it's your age. And that as you get older, the amount of percentage that a year is of your life is less. So it feels like less time, a year is less time because it is a smaller percentage of your life. Where when you're 17, 18 years old, one year is an 18th of your life. And then when you're 50, it's obviously a 50th of your life. So it becomes a smaller percentage of your life. So it just feels shorter because of that. That's my theory. I can get behind that. What about the days get longer part, though? Is that just because, like, you get older, more responsibilities, and it's no longer go to school, come home, chill, and yeah. work nine hours a day, and then family? Yeah, the day gets longer thing is I do think you know, I attest to just, like, your life gets – like, being an adult is much harder day-to-day -day than being a, a non-adult, so – that's, that would be my 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 theory to that part of the uh, the explanation. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got um, so we have week three of the NFL. We sorry, this the the cam the camera here is going so weird. Am I am I doing anything differently than normal? Uh, maybe you've got the game on. It's taking too much bandwidth up on your internet. I don't know. Yeah, here. All right, I'll turn it off for now. Maybe that'll help. Let's see what happens. But, um, but let's just get right into college, week four of college. Um, your surprise of the week, let's start there. That's where we usually start. So it was kind of tough to pick a surprise of the week. Um, I don't want to continue to kind of – pick on the Alabama quarterbacks of just how bad they are, but it was just kind of a very, like, it was kind of a letdown of a college weekend as a whole. So 
I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it one more time. Uh, Jalen Milrow, terrible quarterback. Um, that that was kind of my surprise of the week is is every week goes on, just seeing kind of how non quarterback he he really is. I don't know if that's kind of a cop out of a surprise, but I just I didn't really have much else. Um, I, I know you kind of had a better better take on this. So. Yeah, it's interesting because like they look. Right, so the I, Alabama really looks like after that win. Obviously, they ended up close game, very low scoring for most of it. Alabama pulls away at the end. I actually think this Alabama team is. Oh, I have two surprises now. Uh, I actually think this Alabama team is a top like five or six team in the country, like a normal Alabama team, aside from the quarterback position. That's like that was my that was my takeaway from that the little miss game for them. I can see it. Uh, my surprise of the week um, is Clemson. Um, Clemson put up a much better fight against Florida State than I thought, obviously going to overtime in a game that you could say they could have won. The guy, their backup kicker they pulled up in from the week before, uh, missed a 29-yarder with, a, I believe, a couple minutes left. I think it was like a little over two minutes left. Exactly. Um, so Florida State would have had plenty of time to go down on the drive. They ended up getting a drive to try and win, not getting it. Keon Coleman makes a nice grab in overtime. Florida State rolls. Um, I was very impressed. Kate Klubnik looked much better. Actually, that was a tale of two halves. It was 17-17 um, at the half and a lot of offense, and both quarterbacks looked great. And then in the second half, it was a great defensive effort, and both quarterbacks looked pretty bad. Um I think two takeaways for me for that game are Clemson is is still probably a top 25 team. I know they're two and two now, so they won't be ranked. Um, and obviously they shouldn't no two and two teams should be. Uh, and I don't think Florida State is actually a top four team. Uh, I think they have a ton of talent. Uh, I'm not sure the defense is quite there yet. I I think some of the hype on Jordan Travis is slightly undeserved. Um, it does seem like he's kind of one dimensional. And if he's not kind of throwing a jump ball to Johnny Wilson or Keon Coleman, uh, he doesn't really have much else in the bag, at least from what I saw on Saturday. So that's my first surprise of the week is Clemson actually looking like a respectable football team in the Dabo era of no NIL. And my other one is how good Penn State looked. I know it was the whiteout game uh, against an Iowa team that Maybe people don't think it's that good. I don't know. Uh, us locally are about to see how good that Iowa team is when they score over the 25-and-a-half-point average that they're supposed to get against MSU on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but 31 to nothing, it was really never close. Uh, Penn State's off the offense looks great. The defense looks even better. I just wanted, again, kind of a weak answer, but I wanted to emphasize it because my hot take of the week is that I think they're going to beat one of Michigan or Ohio State this year. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty well said. Um, I'll, I'll quickly start with Penn State. I'll touch upon that just because I think the Clemson Florida State thing is something that I'll go I'll go on to. But Penn State looks great. Whiteout this. I mean, the the whiteout never should have been against Iowa. It should have been against Michigan. But Fox because they get first dibs and want the best games on their big noon bullshit. They took that away from them, which is rather unfortunate for Penn State because, you know, 
Michigan's a hell of a team, and they, they're going to need every advantage they can get in these kind of atmosphere things. But, yeah, Iowa, one step closer to firing Brian Ferentz. Can't put up a goose egg when you need to score 26 points a game. But then again, playing Michigan State, you can score 52 yeah, points gonna a game. Yeah, it's going to kill you. When you play Michigan State, though, you can put up 52 points a game, and then it's a push. <laughs> but true. I'm, I'm kind of going to go into my college game of the week just because um, you mentioned it. It's Clemson, Florida State. Um, it was kind of a letdown of a, of a slate. We talked about it last week, how it was going to be great, seven top 25 matchups or whatever the number was. And they were all kind of either blowouts or just kind of low quality games in the, in the case of Notre Dame, OSU, and then Ole Miss, Alabama. But yeah, Florida State, Clemson kind of, I don't want to say had it all, but was it was a close game where Clemson led all the whole game, but they never really pulled away. It was always a one possession game, I believe. Um, like you mentioned, the kick with I think a little over two minutes to go. Um, I don't care if you're a practice kicker or not; you should not be missing extra point level kicks from 29 yards. Um, and that, that just kind of led into such a weird, frantic ending where Florida State got down to I think the Clemson 38, and they had a ch- they had a chance or chance they had a choice to kick a about a 55 yarder at the end, kind of near the end of the game with 15 seconds left, and they turned it down, which I didn't understand that, that either. I think they opted for some weird half-assed hail. It was Mary. a little farther. It was like 58 or 59. Okay, I mean, if that's the case, sure, but I I, I still feel like the probability of you kicking a 59-yarder is higher than the probability of you getting a Hail Mary. And I understand maybe they're afraid they don't want to yeah. turn around and give Clemson the chance to uh, kind of hit them with their own uh, Hail Mary. But I, 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 it's, it worked for them. They won the game in overtime. Keon Coleman did what Keon Coleman does. He's probably the best jump ball catcher I've ever seen, at least at the college level. Um, obviously, it helps when you're six foot four and – probably have a few inches on every other DB in America, but he still has to come down with the ball and he always, he always finds that ridiculous catch. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I kind of enjoyed, uh, I say enjoyed, I I liked kind of watching Clemson uh, implode in their offense possession in the overtime on third and one, they run that stupid uh, RPO where they threw a dumb screen out there and got tackled for two or three yard loss. And then on the fourth down play, mm. Cade Klubnick threw it behind the receiver. And you see Dabo screaming, it's one yard, it's one yard. And they lose again. Well, when Clemson loses, America wins. They're not a likable team. I hate Dabo Sweeney. I know you mentioned like, oh, like it kind of solidifies yeah. them as a top 25 team. I don't think we ever really said they weren't. It was just kind of a, we agreed that they're no longer that top 10 national title contender. Then. They've kind of gone back to the pre-Deshaun right. Watson, the, the Taj Boyd years of, hey, we're 9-3. and three. Hey, if we get lucky, we might push a 10-2, and two, maybe an 11-1, and one, but we're not going to be competing for a national title anymore. And I think that's just kind of where they are. Right. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, I guess I should reiterate that statement but, or rephrase that statement and more say, I was more disappointed in Florida State than in press with I was maybe with Clemson that, that being some great team this year I guess I, I, I would say yeah. I, I think I kind of picked up what you meant um, that kind of feeds into my game of the week yeah so my game of the week I know you mentioned kind of a doozy as far as um, some of the actual football played is Ohio State and Notre Dame 
mostly because the ending. I mean, that was kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I, we, I left watching it right when the intentional grounding happened, thinking, "Oh, that was the game." Um, it wasn't because <laughs> I came back and I saw sixteen fourteen, and I was like, "What happened?" Um, and a game that Ohio State really had no business winning. It felt like Notre Dame was able to kind of Notre Dame moved the ball fairly consistently for only scoring 14 points the whole game. Ohio State did not. Ohio State really had to rely on the run game. Uh, Kyle McCourt, I know Marvin Harrison was kind of in and out, but uh, Kyle McCord is kind of just like, is he going to be the guy that can beat Michigan this year? I think he proved, but but I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but then I also watched Michigan's offense so far and they haven't scored 40 points against anybody and they haven't played anybody that's like a division one football team yet. So I have a lot of questions about the entire big 10. Ohio state on the other hand stays alive and is still going to be playing for what they play for every year is to beat Penn State and Michigan, and if you do that, you're in the playoffs. So, good on them. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the McCord, can you beat Michigan? It, I, I find it tough to say yes, because we just watched C.J. Stroud not be able to beat Michigan, and C.J. Stroud's, like, an exponentially better quarterback than McCord. So, we'll, we'll see. Right. Uh, you, men- you mentioned it perfectly. They stay alive, they live to fight another week, and that's all That's all you can do is keep keep the wins coming. Um, try not to put a one in the loss column. And if you do get the one, don't get a two. Cause once you get the two, your, your season's kind of over in regards to a national title. Yeah. I mean, like I should say Kyle McCord will be okay. We'll like, like I said, we'll see how okay you can be against Michigan, but he'll be okay. I mean, he has Marvin Harrison, Travion Henderson did look good in that game. Um, so he's got tools around him where they'll be fine. As far as Ohio state, can say fine it's just it's going to come down to one game the day after thanksgiving as it always does agreed um uh anything else on college yeah i'll just kind of i think i kind of briefly said it yeah just kind of quickly to msu um blow it up uh i mean it will it will blow up you'll have you'll you'll watch a mass exodus of players in the portal um as soon as the season ends um yeah Noah Kim looked like the guy who couldn't beat out Peyton Thorne for a starting job for three years. Um, I mean, I think he threw two interceptions officially should have thrown three more. Maryland just got the butterfingers and yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see this team in 2027. No, there's not really much else to say about them. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a weird one because it started off like I think it started off 21, nothing. And you were like, Oh boy, this, this might be the worst team in college football. Um, and then they kind of had a resurgence back, scoring 10 unanswered. And then the, Kim throws that pick at the end of the third quarter, and it's the kick. Catton, or is it Caden? I don't know how I don't you really know it. how to say it. Caden Hauser came in and actually looked good until he threw probably the worst interception I've ever seen. I don't know if you <laughs> saw it. A little basic that. two-yard screenplay of the guy. Nathan Carter is wide open and he just sails it three feet over his head. Yeah. Tough scene. So, I don't but. know. It, it's, it's interesting. Cause as far as this year's goes, the defense is like not that bad, which is crazy for, compared to the last three seasons. 
Um, but it looks like they, we just have no pop on offense. Noah Kim can't consistently throw the ball around to the receivers. They don't really have any stud receiver. You were looking for guys like Trey Mosley to maybe take a step up and look a lot better and be an elite number one in the Big Ten. He's not done that. Other guys haven't done that. Uh, really, the only bright spot is Nathan Carter, and I, I think he's good, but I like. I don't, he's not going to be any any better than what he's been so far if you don't establish some form of a passing game for people to respect. So I, I I'm not too optimistic on him having any kind of an, an elite, a true elite season as a running back either. Agreed, agreed. Um, move on to the NFL, maybe. Yeah. Uh, your surprise of the week in the NFL. I'm going to say the Arizona Cardinals. Um, last week I thought about putting them up there, but I thought, you know Ooh, what, they're playing one. a bad Giants team. And it just kind of – I thought might, maybe it's a fluke. But, you I mean, you follow it up with another good performance against the Cowboys. This time you get it done. You 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 stay ahead and you win the game. Uh, I, I, I mean, I've been the no, – I'm going to say number one critic, but I've just kind of been the number one – person who's complete who who wrote off the Cardinals before the season started however they're, yeah. I, they're I can I can I can probably confidently say they're better than the Bears might be better than the Jets the Broncos they're probably better than so yeah I, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say my surprise of the week's the Cardinals um kind of following up a good performance with a great another good performance win the game this time make it official um possibly mess up the tank for Caleb Williams but We'll see what happens, and I guess I guess I, I guess I yeah. just think it's kind of poetic that the win is against the Cowboys because we spent the first two weeks talking about, oh my God, the Cowboys are the greatest team ever! Yay, defense, Michael Parsons! Yeah, and then they come out and lose to the Cardinals. Um, the seat is probably getting hot under uh, Dak Prescott's ass. Um, but no, other than that, I was going to say that looked like Dak Prescott we know and love. Yes. <laughs> yeah they continue to play well who knows what will happen to the nfl there's no such thing as, e- as an easy game we've seen that now on multiple occasions so good for them that that's kind of my surprise of the week turn it over to you my surprise of the week and it's going to kind of lead it into something i know you wanted to talk about is the fact that the dolphins just scored another touchdown <laughs> dolphins oh wait they just scored another one 70 to 20 in an NFL football game. I'm my surprise of the week is just how pathetically bad the Broncos organization are. And it's so fun to see kind of these organizations just like, I guess as a Lions fan who have been been through a lot of pain. It's interesting and I it shouldn't be fun because I feel bad and I know what it's like to be a fan of this organization that seems like they can't make a right decision to save their lives. Like the seems like the Broncos and the bears are the two that stick out to me, at least for the last five to 10 years here. Uh, I know the Broncos won a super bowl in Peyton Manning's last year, but since then haven't made a correct decision to save their lives. Um, but I don't know. And it, you talked about uh, Clemson and the college stuff. A loss for Clemson is a win for America. That's kind of how I feel about, about the Broncos in that like, I don't have an ounce of sympathy for them as far as Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are concerned. I think you're going to see Russell Wilson perhaps get benched by the end of the year. 
Uh, I think Sean Payton's kind of obviously going to be there long after Russell Wilson is going to be there. He's not tied to him at all. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already expressed his disdain for that kind of uh, his Russ's shit, for lack of a better way to put it. I, after that, I see this relationship going sour as far as the Dolphins go. It's just not even fair when your second best player on offense is out and you can go for 720 yards. I think it was like there's two teams in the NFL that haven't even gained 720 yards in their first three games. Uh, and the Dolphins did it in one game. I'll leave it into the Mike McDaniel part that you wanted to talk about because I know you had some kind of ill will for him not going for it at the end as far as that last field goal for the record. Yeah. Um, oh, again, I, I think that was uh... – I don't know what the I don't want to call it a stupid mistake. I, I just think that Mike McDaniel was wrong for not going for the record. Um it's the first 70 plus point game I believe they were showing on the graphics since the 1960s. And for those who didn't see it or haven't haven't had a been familiar with the situation at the end of the game, Dolphins have the ball within field goal range. I, I mean it's not some chip shot, but it also wasn't a 60 yarder. They're in pretty standard NFL field goal range. Fourth down, about a minute left or whatever there was, and Mike McDaniel, instead of kicking a field goal for the NFL record for points in a game, decided to kneel the ball, give it back to Denver, and kind of end the game, which, again, I think that's dumb. I understand that they're all friends, and it's a fraternity, and you don't want to embarrass them, but you've already embarrassed them. They've already embarrassed themselves. You're already at 70. Yeah. Um, and kind of the other thing is, I get it if it's 20 points ago. Like, if you're up 50 to 20, I get it. If you're up 60 to 20, I get it. But we're talking about a chance for the for the NFL record. Um, I think they should have gone for the kick. That's – it's not something you do every day. <laughs> it's, it, it's not. Yeah, so, you already made your kind of statement on them, like – on how bad you wanted this game to be by letting it get to 70 in the first yep. place. And it's kind of funny because, like, you can't – like, part of it is like, oh, well, why didn't he stop at, like, 56 or something like that? Some of those touchdowns they were scoring were just, like, 60-yard plays that just, yep. like, the Broncos were just, like, falling down and missing – like, they, they weren't, like, actively trying – like, 60-yard runs already up 40. Like, it, it, the, they were trying not to score. The Broncos <laughs> were letting them score. Yeah, that was that was atrocious. Um, but yeah, that's my Mike McDaniel thing. While we're here, I'll just kind of quickly go to my fraud of the week, which I I have a Sean Payton. Um, I think he's an absolute bum. You mentioned the fact that like we feel no or you feel no sympathy for you. I agree with you. I don't feel sympathy for watching this Broncos team lose and get obliterated because Sean Payton spent all off season talking shit about Nathaniel Hackett and other people and other players just to come back and have a worse team than Nathaniel Hackett did, just to come back and get dummied by the guy that he tried to talk shit to, well, in Tua. It's just, yeah. he, like, the, the Broncos, who's worse, the Broncos or the Bears? I mean, I guess we'll find out next week because they play each other, but that game might yeah. end in a natural disaster. The Bear, uh, I will say, uh, Vegas believes it's the Bears. The Broncos are a three-point favorite. Is the game in Chicago or in Denver? I think it's in Denver. So maybe, so maybe there's a little bit of gamesmanship there from the from Vegas. They're playing the they're playing the crowd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would assume so. 
that's the only good thing you can say about any one of those teams is maybe there's enough fan support in Denver that they give them a couple points of help. <laughs> um, my game of the week. Oh, did I say my surprise? Uh, oh, yeah, it was the yeah, you did. Duh. Um, my game of the week is going to be Minnesota and uh, the Chargers, two teams that needed a win, and the Chargers kind of stay alive. And now, uh, as far as the other side goes, the Vikings now look like they're in the trading Kirk Cousins to the Jets mode, or at least those rumors have started to circle around. Um, they're in a super weird spot. I didn't think they were going to be this bad. Their defense can't stop anything. Uh I don't think they thought they were going to be this bad. I know it's still early, but 0-3 to start in our division, it's not good. And it's But you have a lot of, like, you have Justin Jefferson. Who knows how long he'll be around. Like, you let go of Dalvin Cook. Alex, Alexander Madison has been horrible, frankly, as the starting running back. I thought he was better. Uh, than, like, you have some young today. pieces. I thought he was better this week. Better Sorry. today. That's kind of the best offense they've looked like. I know Kirk Cousins is probably not going to be there next year. This is the last year of his contract, so why not? I think if you go, if you lose on Sunday, your own four. I think it's I think it's time to start considering it. But at the same time, if you're the Jets, like you could be one in three after next week, and why would you even want to spend more capital at that point? So, yeah. Um, I also had the Chargers and the Vikings as my game of the week. I think that they that was the one game that kind of was enthralling uh, with kind of the back and forth. They were kind of just going down trading touchdowns. Um, I think you can I mean Minnesota with two different drives in the last couple of minutes that make it into, in, into the red zone and kind of within the 10 yard line, I believe. And they just couldn't find a way to get it in. And to be honest, you mentioned though, we didn't expect them to be this bad. Can I offer you a devil's advocate? Can I make the argument this is the exact same team that we saw last year, except now instead of winning all of the one-possession games, they're losing them. Last year they were 11-0 in one-possession games. This year they are three or zero and three in one possession games, and that that's just the law of averages. You know, you you can't you can't punt it down the road forever. Um, So I'm not I'm not saying that that's the case. I just think that they were overdue for this. like you mentioned, you, I mean, you lose to Carolina next week. Your season's fully off the rails. You are probably exploring to trade Kirk Cousins. I mean, do you consider trading Justin Jefferson and fully blowing it up because you've got nobody on defense? Your defense is old from the guys who are left. Um, I'm, I, it, I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. I'm not like he is yeah. such a rare player that you probably don't, but you are probably looking at a true rebuild in Minnesota if, if this is going to happen the way it can, or if this is going to continue the way it's been going. So I don't know. Uh, it's interesting that they, they are at a crossroads. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to say about this game is Brandon Staley, that decision to go for it on fourth down in his own end zone. If that doesn't work out, he probably is filing for unemployment today um, yep. with his job kind of being on the hot seat going into that game. That ends up work. They don't get it. They end up winning the game. So he ends up looking smart. And I heard all the arguments for it today. Like the game's over if you get it. Yada, yada, yada. I don't like, I don't know. That's a whole new Dan Campbell level of aggressiveness. Um, especially for a guy that really has kind of been back and forth as far as analytics go. Like it feels like one day he wants to be the most aggressive coach in America. And then the next day he doesn't. And it's kind of led to a lot of mistakes and a lot of uh, question marks, including 
losing by or blowing a 28 point lead in the playoffs. Um, so I guess good job for keeping your job today, Brandon Staley. So yeah. that was one thing I just wanted to add. Yeah, good for him. I mean, Chargers also lose Mike Williams for the season. Uh, I don't know. If you yeah. Saw, yeah. Torn it, torn ACL. I mean, I guess that's why you drafted Quentin Johnson. And that's kind of what we said. It's like, we, we said it in a nice way, kind of leading up to it. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are kind of band-aids the last couple of years at receiver. So getting a new similar type of receiver to, I mean, pre, I'm pretty sure he's the exact same build as Mike Williams. So you just got, you got younger Mike Williams and you're going to hope to see he can play like a Mike Williams. So right. um, they'll, they'll test their draft pick out. I know Quentin Johnson's probably been one of the more underwhelming rookie receivers to start the season, but that, that was obviously due to a lack of opportunity. Now there's going to be some. We'll see what he can do with it. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I mentioned Dan Campbell. Let's kind of get into the Lions, the local game of the week. Uh, the Lions win 20-6. to six. Uh, All I'm going to say is Desmond Ritter is not the guy. That's what I took out of that game. Great. And Brian Branch might be the guy. The, those are my two biggest takeaways. Yeah, I mean – if I, I'll kind of go off on a quick tangent. Um, this was a much-needed game for the Lions. Um, I think that a lot of the things that a lot of people brought up with narratives over the first two weeks, I don't know if addressed is the right word, but they were they were, they were were addressed. Um, the defensive line, we finally got a sack. As a matter of fact, we got seven of them, and six different players got them. Hutchinson woke up with yeah. two sacks. Um they, they kind of continue to stop the run, even though I will admit that I think Atlanta, for some reason, didn't lean heavily enough into the run at the beginning of the game. I think for their first, I think their first drive was three straight passes, which I didn't understand. But um, the the rookies, the Jameer Gibbs workload is what I wanted to see. Um, Seventeen carries in a reception, but it, this wasn't like a David Montgomery split backfield. I think Craig Reynolds came in had maybe three touches. That's how it should be when David Montgomery is not healthy. You should not have bums on the field. Um, Gibbs' final stat line, I think, was like 17 carries for 80 yards, which looks pretty good. However, I will kind of point out that 30 of those yards came on two runs. So it did look like he kind of struggled a little bit, but he also did look like they kind of wore him down with our banged-up offensive line. So that was nice to see that even though we're missing Decker and Vitae and Sewell's playing the wrong position and Matt Nelson goes down in the first quarter and we're playing Dan Skipper, who we signed three days ago, they were still able to kind of continuously run the ball and maybe just wear down the Atlanta defense. That was good to see. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Brian Branch. He was everywhere. That was that was it, an incredible performance from not just any, like, rookie cornerback, just, like, a cornerback that I've ever seen. He was everywhere. Um, beautiful from him. Sam Laporta, I know he's got extended opportunities and extended volume right now because Jameson Williams is suspended. He looks great, and that's awesome because even when Jamo comes back, that's extra weapons that you get. Um, Campbell got a sack. I think he played pretty well, but he still – I'd still like to see him on the field a little bit more. Um, Dan Campbell actually kicked field goals. That's unheard of for him. Good for him. Um, yep. And then as soon as the Lions kind of went up by 10 points, uh, your initial point came to fruition. Desmond Ritter is not a good enough quarterback for to play on Sundays in the NFL. End of. And 
that's no. kind of the the danger with teams like Atlanta and uh, and then like the Tennessee Titans before Arthur Smith left, where if they're ahead of you, it's scary because they wear you down and they just get to impose what they want to do. But if you get up two possessions on them, it's when, when Desmond Ritter's your quarterback, you're in trouble. Yeah, my kind of takeaway is like Desmond Ritter is going to be a good backup quarterback. Like he's just not a real starter. And I think you will because I don't think they're that bad. Uh, I think you will see Taylor Heineke starting for this team at some point this year. I know they got to kind of have a longer leash on Ritter. He's the guy they just drafted. But they did sign Heineke to a a good chunk of change um, for him not to be used at all, especially if Desmond continues to struggle here. Um, Like you said, I think it was nice, especially after you went on your rant last week about the rookies not doing anything that they did show up today and they are contributing early. Um, and it's just a positive sign, I guess. I don't know. It wasn't like a, a, a win that you go, wow, uh, we looked awesome. And the defense played good against a bad quarterback. but And the offense, just like you said, warmed down. They weren't really great by any means. Goff didn't go off or anything. And then they wear them up. They wear them off to the point where, the boom, the big touchdown Laporta happens. So, that's what you want to do. That's a win you want to see maybe when you're not firing on all cylinders on offense and you do have guys out of the lineup like they did. Um, so that was encouraging to see, I think, the type of way they won. And when you didn't necessarily – I didn't think that, especially from the offensive standpoint, that that was necessarily their A game. Um, so that the fact that they were able to wear them down and get a nice win, a resounding 14-point win in the NFL is nothing to scoff at. I was happy. We're on to Green Bay on Thursday night. Uh, we're a one-and-a-half-point favorite at Green Bay. Uh, they look okay, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm still not 100% sold on Jordan Love either, um, but it's a very losable game, and it's a short week when you do already have um, quite a few injuries, as you listed off. So uh, you get this win, and you go to Green Bay and win on a short rest, go to 3-1. and one. I'm a believer in this team if they can get that done. Yeah, com- completely agree. Um, the the Packers, uh, I'm not sold on Jordan Love either. The, um, they've kind of they've won some ugly games. They should have lost on Sunday, but uh, I don't know. It's not Will Lutz anymore. Whatever buffoon is uh, kicking for the Saints, cost uh, kind of had a nice miss to bury that team. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. The short week were injured. The Packers are injured too. I mean, they played that last game without Watson, without Aaron Jones, without Bakhtiari, without Jair Alexander. So, like, like we said in Week One, after people, after uh, kind of the the Chiefs thing, where it's like no one's ever healthy in the NFL. There's no such thing as a healthy team. So you make do with what you have and go go win the division game. Go go get that early upper hand on Green Bay. It looks like Minnesota, like we've said, is. Not going to be a factor. We know the Bears are not a factor. So go take the early upper hand. Um, build that quote-unquote game-and-a-half lead over the over the Packers and get ready to win a division. Oh, also, fun yeah. fact about Taylor Heineke. He is dating a friend of a friend. Ah, quick plug. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Is he from Michigan? No, uh, it's so it's um, – it's one of my friends. She has friends down in Atlanta. I don't know how they met, but okay. yeah, she's uh, she's dating Heineke. Good for her. Yeah, he's he's a fun guy. He's a fun quarterback. So. I I do I do root for him. He's 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 a good boy. 
Um, I'm going to kind of my fraud of the week is uh, I didn't get to give it. I know you gave your Sean Payton one because uh, I wanted to highlight this. that didn't get talked about is the Colorado Buffaloes. That was on ass kicking. That was I it was 35 nothing just like it reminded me of Michigan State Washington. But it just it felt worse. It felt personal. It felt freaking awesome. And I, I hate being like the turn on Dion guy because I think he's electric and I think he's gonna be successful wherever he is. But like it had gotten to my head how much hype we're giving a team that we know it deep down is going to maybe get a bowl game this year, especially with that schedule they have to play. I think they play USC next week. Yep. Like their schedule is ridiculous the rest of the way, but that was, I think Dan Lanning, uh, the speech was the quote was they're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. Uh, he made it personal. I'm surprised it wasn't worse than it was at 42 to six. Um, I know they were a 20 point favorite, but to, just that first half. I don't know if you watched it. I did. They did not. They did not. Colorado didn't even have a first down the first half. I'm pretty sure. So it was complete and utter domination. So I just wanted to shout out Colorado for being the frauds that they were. I'm hopeful that the hype will somewhat go away, especially when they lose by 30 again to USC on Saturday. Yeah, I completely agree there as well. Um, it, it it was annoying. Um, yes, they were ranked 18 in America. We knew everybody knew they weren't the number 18 team in America. Um, I know I've said this in the past, get rid of preseason polls and don't rank anybody until three or four weeks have gone by. That way you can actually see what these teams are when they play other real teams and not just beat up on pumpkin state and Idaho central and whatever else happens. So. Yeah. Well, you see, the problem with that is Michigan wouldn't be ranked till the last game of the season because they don't play anybody. Well, at least you have, at least they'll get into <laughs> some conference games. I know what you're saying, but at least they get into conference games. It's just I, I really don't like. I, I know. I think we've talked about it before on the pod. Is I'm not a fan of the of the concept of preseason rankings because you always have three or four teams that start off really high and or turn out to be absolute bums, but because they started off really high, the college oh, football playoff committee gets to come in there and start breaking these stupid arbitrary rules of, oh, well, they be a, a ranked TCU in August. Yeah, but TCU's three and nine because they just lost their whole team. So it's not really that big of a win. And there's always stupid shit like that that happens. And that's why I wish that they just got rid of preseason polls and there was no rankings until a month of the season went by and you could actually see what each team is. Yeah. And it usually works in that way that you described of like trying to add, trying to call like TCU a ranked win when they end up three and nine at the end of the season. The only time I can remember it ever really going the opposite way was when uh, Michigan almost made the playoff probably five years ago and they beat, uh, Penn State by like 30 in like week three or four and Penn State was it was one and two at the time and, and Penn State ended up being nine nine and three or ten and two and being like a top 10 team at the they end were, of the year but when they, they beat were, them they were the big 10 champs that year that was the same that was like peak Saquon they went to the Rose Bowl and I want to say they they might have lost to Sam Darnold in that Rose Bowl but that was the that was James Franklin's big 10 championship team 
I know exactly what you're right. talking about. And Mich- but and they're like they're I think their only losses to Michigan by like thirty. And at the time, everyone thought Penn State was terrible, and then yep. they both ended up being playoff contenders. So, but it, it, that's the only time I ever remember it working that way, not the other way of us trying to give Alabama some backdoor win because they played Tulane when they were 25th in the country and Tulane's now seven and five and has lost to three non-power five schools. Like that's how it usually works. And you're right. So I guess that's more of the stories. I do agree with you on the point of the preseason polls are just a way for, it's just a way for big, like us, you to sell more games, I think. Cause like I can call, we can call Notre Dame, Ohio State a six versus nine matchup, even though neither of them have played a power five school. And we really don't know if they're going to be 10 and two or six and six, especially Notre Dame by the end of the year. But we can call it six versus nine because of a preseason poll. That, and I mean, to, to go off that, I've always argued that you shouldn't need a number six and number nine to sell Ohio State, Notre Dame. Those are big enough schools, big enough brands on their own. I've always argued that. You don't you don't need stupid numbers to sell to sell a game. So But um, I think they I think that happened like that's gotta be in the minds of like a maybe not in Ohio State Notre Dame, but like Penn State playing Iowa for the whiteout game. Like you don't think Iowa sliding in at twenty five had something to do with them like that matchup, like us NBC getting some more uh, clicks. I don't know. That's conspiracy theory me. The uh, this is kind of going off on my tangents here. The Bucks defense is legit. Are they? Well, I, I don't have the game on. What are they doing? They clamping the Eagles. I don't know. They're just like, yeah, Eagles haven't really moved the ball much. They're about to get a field goal here, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but they get they uh, returned a punt like into into plus territory. Nice. Um. I don't really have much more with football. I know we have the Ryder Cup to talk about. Uh, do you want? Is there anything else you want to say about yeah. football before we get into that, or no? No, let's move into the Ryder Cup. Um, Ryder Cup, one thirty a.m. on Friday. Unfortunately, we won't get to do too much of watching this. I'm gonna try, but uh, I think it only goes to like ten a.m. Um, the U.S. is a slight betting favorite. I checked it before we went on. Um, obviously, some controversy with the last couple of picks, um, as there always is going to be with Justin Thomas and Sam Burns getting those last two picks. Uh, there, I don't, I don't know how you feel uh, after the ass kicking the U.S. gave Europe at Whistling Straits two years ago uh, on home turf. I actually like the European team. I think they're be- the top. Surprisingly, is better. Then the U.S., I mean, obviously, it's always going to be a depth thing. I think for the last 10 years, the U.S. can arguably say they have better depth. But I am still – there is still a part of me that's super worried about guys like Justin Thomas, like who's who's obviously been a dog in the Ryder Cup in the past. Will he be that com- considering the year he's had? Jordan Spieth hasn't exactly had a great year. Um, and then uh, the European side, I think you look at guys like Rory – and John Rahm, who is kind of who's kind of struggled down the stretch after winning a, a major, is their top at the top of their game too. Uh, I I I think it's a a toss up with me giving the home advantage to the reason I'm picking Europe. 
Yeah, I kind of take a similar outlook. Um, the U.S. hasn't won in Europe since 1993. Um, do you know why it is so hard for these teams to kind of win on opposing soil? Because, uh, I mean, I was looking back at the history. Europe's only done it four times. The U.S. has only done it twice. I just genuinely think because it is kind of – it is like being at a home football game and that it's loud and rowdy and, like, genuinely the first time any of those guys – if you're a brand-new Ryder Cup player, you've never golfed. It's Golf is not a team sport, right? So, no, you're not really rooting for – or rooting against anybody on these guys, like, circuit on the tour, that when they go to these rowdy environments that are, like, playing actual away games – it's it's definitely harder to piece wins together, I think, in matches because these guys just aren't used to. I don't want to say just being rooted against, but like they're not used to that environment. Like they don't play away games every week like a football team does. Fair. Just just wanted to throw that out there. I've I've kind of always wondered. That's my theory. I, I feel like it it, could, it shouldn't be like that. I know specifically in Europe they take it a lot more seriously. Um, although the, the buzz of golf, I feel like the Ryder Cup has gotten a lot bigger over the last four or five years, but I guess, uh, the other... yeah, I don't know. Who do you, who do you like some guys you like some U S guys, European guys you want to shout out or think, think are going to have good or bad weeks. I mean, on the European side, I wanted to think they, do they have one or two amateurs? I know the one guy, I think it's Adberg. He's the, he's the kind of the one of the top college guys right now in the U.S. Uh, he got called up for it. I think the Hoy guard kid, uh, kid as well is also some amateur. I'm not certain about that one, though. I, I guess for them, for me, it's just kind of seeing how those guys play because, like you say, you haven't had the experience for them. Now, they are European. They won't be getting jeered and kind of heckled, but it is still a team event. There's still a little bit more, oh, there's other guys depending on me. It's not just, oh, well, I got to get mad at myself. and. I'll get I'll get back to it next week. There's a little bit more kind of edge to it. So I'll circle them for Europe. For the US, I'll kind of maybe circle maybe the middle of the pack. Um yeah, I mean we kind of know what our top guys can provide. Um it's what's gonna happen in the I wanna say matchups, but the the guys who are probably your fourth through ninth best golfers on that team, how how can they fare up against the Europe's fourth through ninth best golfers? That that's probably my my kind of places where you you win or lose the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just look at the top of Europe right now and I do like I think ha, give me Hovland, Rory, and Rom over any three the US have. I know okay. that's probably what Scotty Brooks and Colin. I don't know. Colin or, but at the same time, like you said, he's younger. I know it, the first guy you mentioned is only 22. He just turned pro this summer. Hodgegaard also very young. Like I can't imagine those guys are playing more than one match in the whole weekend. Like it's going to be have to Europe is going to rely on those, those big three do play a lot of golf over the weekend. So um, that's the U.S.'s advantage I see is that they're not going to have to rely on guys to play in multiple matches a day per se. Obviously, they will based on who's ever hot. But um, I also think there's a lot like 
But you, you mentioned the like the European having a lot of new young guys at the bottom, but like so does the U.S. I think this is Sam Burns's first, Max Homa's first Ryder Cup. So like there there's inexperience at the bottom on both sides, but um, I don't know. I I just think the home team it's too hard to go against a trend like that, a thirty year trend. So I I agree with you. I've I've also kind of got Europe um kind of edging it out, but. I don't have too much more to add. Um, I don't know if there's any straggling topics, something that we might have missed in football, golf, or anything else in the sports world that you want to bring up, but I'm kind of good here. Yeah, I think we here we covered the big stuff. Um, it, it's <laughs> it's hard too, and uh, obviously we'll continue the Lions talk, but it's like I, I'm not gonna. How much can I talk about MSU football at this point? It's like, ugh. No, I, I have no interest in talking about them. Like, I'm sure we'll, we'll do something about the Michigan game, but I have zero interest in talking about them. They, 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 that's not, it's not a product that is worth yeah. my time. Right. It's to the point where it's like uh, I care about one game the rest of the season, and that's that's the game in East Lansing on October 29th or whatever it is, 21st. The 20th. I don't know. I don't know, somewhere like late October, about a month from now. Well, um, but that's all I got. Uh, so unless you want to add something, thanks for listening, guys. Obviously, we'll be back next week with more football talk. And we'll have a Ryder Cup recap as well. Um, so you'll get to see if our pick of Europe is correct. So tune in next week, please, and thank you. From myself, as always, go Lions.